On today's episode, we're going to be talking about selling direct to consumers in China. You don't want to miss this one. Do stay tuned. Retail and e-commerce have witnessed an unprecedented transformation in the last decade. The widespread adoption of mobile technology, social media, as well as the lowered cost of cloud-based technology have not only eroded the barriers to entry in retail, but has also led to the rapid rise and dominance of digital native product brands that sell directly to their customers. On this podcast, you'll get the scoop on customer acquisition and retention strategies employed by high-growth digital native product brands. Not being afraid to spend because you know that customer is going to pay it back uh, three or four-fold. That's when you start to unlock channels in the way that they were meant to be used. And- Listen to interviews with experts at the forefront of technology and innovation in digital retail. Three years ago, they wouldn't have come to us because, yeah, the macro trend of cloud, Wi-Fi, broadband availability—that was a real, that was a real problem. Hear firsthand stories from founders of innovative direct-to-consumer brands. Although I was thinking about the competition, I was more thinking about like, how do I just build a freaking successful business? We focus on driving as much traffic as possible, converting that traffic, uh, and then dumping money back into driving more traffic. These insights will help you consistently 2x growth in specific areas of your direct-to-consumer brand. This is the 2x e-commerce podcast, hosted by Kunle Campbell. What do sophisticated direct-to-consumer brands like ColourPop, Hawkberry and Custom Inc. all have in common? Well, they rely on Klaviyo, the growth marketing platform that powers over 25,000 online businesses. Klaviyo is supported by a dedicated team of experts and it is a platform that processes and consumes more data than any other in the market. Klaviyo helps you own customer experience and grow high value customer relationships. Right from shoppers' first impressions to each subsequent purchase, Clavio will understand every single customer interaction and empowers brands to create more personalized marketing moments. When you have a 360 view on customers, the growth possibilities are endless. Visit clavio.com forward slash 2x to get Clavio's holiday planning guide. Remember, that is clavio.com com forward slash 2x hi guys welcome welcome to the 2x e-commerce podcast show and this is the podcast dedicated to rapid growth in direct-to-consumer commerce e-commerce what have you however you want to coin the term e-commerce whether it's digital native brand if you're looking to grow your direct-to-consumer brand or e-commerce brand. This is the podcast. And you know, we talk about metrics such as conversions, average order value, traffic, and ultimately sales. Uh, Today's episode is super interesting. I've been looking forward to having Arnold in for two, three months, perhaps. Um, And that's because his agency is based out in London and Croydon in London focuses on expansion, on brand strategy in China, and they're freaking good at it. So I'm not going to dabble too much. You know, I just want to introduce Anil to the show. Welcome, Anil. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Uh, You're far too kind. I I think we're okay at it. (laughs) You guys, guys, from from what I'm seeing on the outside, you guys are, you know, really the go-to. You're young, you're in tune culturally. It's it's amazing. It's amazing. Thank you very much. 
You're welcome. I, I was in China in October. I went via Hong Kong. I went to Shenzhen. I did the whole touristy thing. And I also just, you know, walked off the bitten path. And I thoroughly enjoyed it because, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's hugely modern. Um, the underground was better than London underground. Um, yeah, it's, it's moving really forward. And I guess the market is maturing. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I always say this to people that unless you, you hear about all of these things in the news, right? Like, oh, China's uh, moving very quickly. The economy is growing, but no one quite understand on the ground, like the extremities, how fast things are moving. Like, like you said, when you go there, it's almost like living in the future. You'd never have to carry cash with you. You're served by robots. The underground is absolutely amazing compared to what we have here. Mm-hmm. And everyone's attitude is more, it's more than just what's happening, but kind of like people's attitude, right? Everyone seems to have this mentality of positivity, of growth, mm-hmm. of, uh, of ambition. Like everyone you talk to is an entrepreneur over there. Mm-hmm. So every corner you walk around, there's an opportunity just mm-hmm. like hits you in the face. And mm-hmm. the atmosphere really uh, kind of like for me provides uh, the opportunity for people to think about what they could potentially do and, and opens, really opens your mind up about the future. Yeah. Absolutely. And then this, there's this Abbot church I see where like you visit China and the flurry of ideas that come mm. down, um, you can leverage that to bring to the West and, you know, make a fortune. I, I see from an idea standpoint and yeah. also from a product, you know, if you're selling physical products from the many new niche things coming up that we haven't even seen here or where the things we see here that are like, you know, freaking cheap there. Um, and you could add a bit more value and, you know, um, still, you know, bring those, those ideas and products into the Western markets, I see. Yeah, I mean, uh, and also, uh, so it's, it's a very good point uh, you just made there. And because before it was the other way around where China seemed like they were copying ideas and concepts from the West. But now genuinely, like you go to China, like you said, right, exactly, you open your mind up and you feel like you could, replicate some of the models some of the consumer models or e-commerce models happening in china right now and bring it back to the west and and it's really interesting how that's flipped so quickly okay um I'm, we're going to jump into china marketing um i would love you to introduce yourself and your agency and then so people can know a bit you know about you sure thank you very much so my name is arnold and i i was born in china um and i had my primary school education in China, moved over to the UK, finished my education here. Uh, I guess you can say I've always been a bit of a geek. Uh, when I first came over to this country, uh, my parents had a, a P90. I don't know if you remember that. A Pentium, it was like a Pentium oh, 90 yeah, megahertz yeah, computer, yeah. like way back in the days, right? With like 14.28K uh, modem or something ridiculous <laughs> and like floppy disks. Um, so I've just been addicted to like computer and technology ever since. Um, I studied uh, engineering, uh, electronic, system, electronic systems engineering at the university, which kind of just expanded my interest uh, with a more formal education. And I've been working on client side, uh, on, on agency side. I guess uh, mark, digital marketing was kind of my go-to because it combined my passion for technology, but also it added the, added the concept of kind of creativity, like applying creativity and people and cultures to technology. Um, so I've always missed China and uh, I thought the best thing I could, I could do is work in Chinese digital marketing to combine everything about China, technology and creativity into one 
job. Um, so uh, I started freelancing and eventually um, found enough clients to uh, start the agency Cumin and the rest is history, as they say. It's history. So, so Cumin is, a, is an agency, a digital marketing agency for Western brands that want to take the opportunity to get into the Chinese market. Is that it in summary or does it do a bit more than what I just said? Yeah, you, uh, you're 100% right. Um, I guess the, uh, what differentiates us a little bit uh, with any of the other providers is that we tend to focus more on people and cultures. Um, so we help our clients to not just enter the Chinese market and sell their products and services, but also understand Chinese people and cultures on a very, I guess, on a very basic level. So they're able to apply that to the work they do, whether it's marketing, whether it's digital performance marketing or creative or advertising. Uh, I mean, most people will tell you that uh, the best marketing are the most culturally relevant marketing. Mm. Um, so we, we're strong believers that unless you understand Chinese people and cultures, you can never truly have a meaningful relationship uh, as a brand with the consumers um, of that market. When you say basic, I think it's advanced. As in, you you were dissecting. Uh, <laughs> so, so, by the way, your your LinkedIn um your your LinkedIn profile is is on fire, really, because I'm I'm learning massively a lot about the Chinese um you know m- about Chinese marketing in general from from yourself. Thank you. References from um from you know Chinese consumers, and there's one you brought to to light, which I think was um either Coca Cola. No, it was it was one. Of, it was either Coca Cola. Pepsi or Nike? Um, Nike, probably. It was Nike, right? Um, and um, you're talking about how cliche their, their 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 Chinese New Year ad was, and I was like, okay, that's really interesting. Um, oh, yeah. that one was Adidas, actually. It was Adidas, yeah. yeah. So, um, forgive, I beg your pardon. Okay, where's where, where are the most effective channels now in to reach the 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 Chinese market? Um, do they still? watch um you know traditional tv media or is everything digital specifically on mobiles the reason i asked is like you'd hardly ever see people raise their heads up when um i actually have a video i think it was um i put it on as an instagram story when when people are in trains they're just like transfixed on on their phones for a good part um so where where are the opportunities um, for 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 brands looking to to get into China from a channel perspective? I think uh, from a channel perspective, right now, I guess it depends what you're trying to do. Uh, in terms of building awareness, I think Douyin and TikTok are definitely the best platform. These, for me, are what I'd like to call the next generation of social media platforms. Are either drastically different in structure to the likes of Instagram, Facebook. Weibo or LinkedIn, um, and, and they're very, very content focused. Um, but if you're looking to, I guess, less awareness and more about customer brand affinity, I'll probably lean towards more to WeChat, which is more of a service and utility platform. Mm-hmm. So it, yeah, very much depending on what your goal is as a brand. Okay, let's. You 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 touched on a lot of you know points here, um, in in just that sentence. Um, so let's talk about um, a lot of users you know, should be aware of TikTok, but mm. let, let's talk about the differences, intricacies of TikTok, the rise of TikTok and how it compares to Douyin, if you don't mind. It's TikTok did start from China and, you know, what, what, what does it look like? Could you, could you break TikTok down as a platform for us, please? 
Yeah, of course. Um, so TikTok is actually a, uh, I, I guess it's the same as Douyin, uh, similar in the structure uh, and, and the way the platform is, but it's very different in the content and the users that's currently on TikTok. So Douyin has been around maybe like a year longer than TikTok, a slight, slightly longer. Uh, and the platform has matured much quicker in China. So when brands are looking at Douyin, uh, they should try and, and Actually, maybe it's better if I summarize the differences a little bit. So the, the, the biggest difference is probably content. The type of content that sits on TikTok and the type of content that sits on Douyin are very different. On TikTok is very, um, uh, how, how can I pull it? It's, it's very, it's very the, the content is too quite young. It's quite, uh, a, a lot of the users are quite young. So um, it's very, um, I guess, more entertainment focused and less educational focused. Uh, whereas on Douyin, it's a lot. It's still entertainment, but it's more mature entertainment. So it's stuff like dramas and comedies, like short form videos in the styles of dramas and comedies. There's also a lot of educational content, a lot of creator content. So it's stuff like, uh, I don't know, I guess like um, exercising, health, uh, uh, health for the body and the mind. There's a lot of cooking stuff as because it's China, everyone in China loves food. So there's a lot of like recipes. Um, there's a lot of, to do tutorials on videography, photography, design. Whereas on TikTok, it's still very much lip syncing and kind of like kids dancing in their bedrooms. So those two, those two are very different. And because of the content difference, that means the users are very different as well in a sense that you have a much more mature audience on Douyin, uh, where it's still a quite young Gen Z audience on TikTok. So I think those two are the biggest differences. And actually the, Biggest difference, I think, is relevant to this podcast as well. It, it's, it, it's, a, it's actually about e-commerce. I believe TikTok has started to trial e-commerce, but on Douyin is very mature in the sense that you can, when you're, when you're viewing a piece of content, you can essentially buy the items that's been discussed in that, in that piece of content. In uh, Douyin, but not yet in TikTok. Not yet in TikTok, I believe. I believe they're trialing it for certain brands or certain users. I'm not 100% sure on tiktok um but as far as i'm aware uh they don't have a lot of the e-commerce features and, available on doing and how receptive is the chinese consumer um towards social buying on doing since it's a more mature you know um platform and it's been around one year longer than tiktok uh i mean very, very receptive so one one thing that's really great about the chinese consumer is that they're very open to innovation and very open to changes in the way that platforms are, but also how the, uh, how they're kind of like, I guess how their, how their, uh, daily behaviors are reflected on digital. So, um, the good thing about China is that there's no legacy behavior in the sense that when internet, when mobile internet first came about only like 30, the internet penetration was only like 30%, right? So, mm-hmm. Compared to the West, when mobile internet first came out, the internet entry is like 90%. So mm. people had a pre-existing expectation of how the internet should behave, which meant it was very difficult for companies to innovate made for mobile services and mm. products. That's mm. very different in China because people didn't really have an expectation of how the internet should behave. Mm. So when mobile first came out, mobile internet, everyone created new services and products specifically for the mobile, such as WeChat. Like WeChat would never work on desktop, right? It's a native mobile product slash platform, same as though in TikTok. Like it's a vertical format, it's made for mobile, and it works so well on the mobile compared to something like Instagram, which is starting to get into videos, but it's just nowhere near as 
um, experience is nowhere near as good as the way in TikTok. What, what makes, um, pardon the pun here, what makes TikTok tick? It's <laughs> a good question. Um, I think the biggest thing is the the biggest thing is AI AI content engine. So it's it, imagine it's like when you're scrolling through it, you, you don't get a choice of what content you see. You're essentially dictated by the AI what you see, one video after another, and that's literally different to any other platforms we've ever seen before, right? completely different and that's why i like to call the third generation of social in a sense that and i've talked this about this before a lot that you don't even have to have a network to get the content because the content is fed to you from the global pool of content by the ai engine like you go into the platform you're following no one within 10 minutes the ai starts to optimize your feed based on like how long you watch what you watch what you like what you don't like so and then once you have your content profile, essentially, from the AI, then you start to build a network. And then that network will dictate and contribute to the algorithm what content you see. Whereas previously, on any platform currently, all the content you see is based on the network you follow, right? If you don't follow anyone, you can get any content. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the biggest difference, but also, the, as you said, uh, what, what makes TikTok tick. Let's take this quick break to hear from our sponsors. Let's take a quick break to talk about screwing up. Accidents happen. Perhaps you installed an app that messed up your theme or a CSV import completely messed up your product catalog. Common myth, cloud-based e-commerce platforms like Shopify and BigCommerce have automatic backup solutions you can use when something goes wrong with your store. This is simply untrue. They don't. Myth busted. So what do you do? You use Rewind. Rewind will protect Shopify and BigCommerce stores with automatic backups. Rewind should be the first app you install to protect your store against human error, misbehaving apps, or collaborators gone bad. It's like having your very own magic undo button. Rewind is trusted by over 25,000 businesses from side hustles to the biggest retail brands you can think of. Gymshark, Movement Watches, and Pampers all use Rewind for automatic backups. So here's a deal for 2Xs. If you head over to rewind.io, which is R-E-W-I-N-D.io, install Rewind, you'll get to use it for free for seven days. If you reach out to the Rewind team and mention the 2X e-commerce podcast, then extend your seven-day trial for a full month for free. Enjoy peace of mind with Rewind Backups. Remember to head over to Rewind.io and don't forget to mention the 2X e-commerce podcast for a full month trial. Absolutely. And, and how sticky is TikTok? What's the average time um, users spend um, per session if, if you have that kind of data um, on, on TikTok? I don't have that kind of data uh, on top of my head, mm-hmm. but I believe as far as I'm aware, the uh, the the the, the sh- Short form video, the view, viewership of the view in a short form is increasing drastically in China. And it's one of the fastest. If you look at the curve, it's like a classic hockey stick curve. Uh, people are essentially moving over to short form video from traditional content platforms uh, like the second gens of WeChat, Weibo. And uh, I do remember one side that's very important is that only 15% of Chinese teens post content on WeChat. It's because most of them are moving over to short form video platforms. Mm-hmm. So, so, so there was a first gen, there was a gen one, 
um, sets of platforms. There's a Gen 3 you just alluded to, which is Weibo and WeChat. And which is current Gen, yeah. Gen 3 is is TikTok and... Um, and, and Douyin. Douyin. And, and, and I think the two things about TikTok and Douyin that I see very much in common is video. Um, yeah. Video, short, short form video, um, which seems to be the case in, in, in the West. Um, okay, so... Um, from a brand perspective, um, if I wanted to succeed in TikTok, um, just really briefly, um, what kind of content um, would I put out there to for, for massive reach and potential engagement? Again, I, I think it's um, I think it's very different for TikTok and Douyin, right? For TikTok, you probably be a, want to be a bit more lighthearted. You want the content to be very light. On Douyin, you probably want it to be more educational. So, for example, I'll give you an example. We're working with a football club right now, uh, and instead of posting content about like goals uh, and highlights, uh, we want to go a bit deeper. We want to give the audience a value in the content we create. So, we're doing a series of educational videos, working with the players of the said football club to uh, show them. Uh, how the players train uh, from a strength perspective, from an endurance perspective, but also from a skill perspective. So like, like what kind of drills you do. So we could do like a series of short form videos uh, showing different exercises, different skills, different drills, but also like, and then showing like in match footage of how those drills are applied in the game. So people come onto the platform, not only do they get to watch someone who's a professional football player, uh, but they also get to learn something, and 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 those kind of content generally work really well on Douyin. Mm-hmm. It's much more intimate and the behind the scenes footage to really, you know, show the the consumer that we we want to connect with them. You know, we're giving them extra value. I love that. I love that. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then for TikTok, what what would you do differently on on on, on TikTok in in that scenario for the football club? Um, I mean, I'm not I'm not actually an expert on TikTok. I would probably. I'll probably make it a lot more lighthearted. I probably wouldn't go for those uh, uh, educational videos. I might do some videos of them just, I guess, training. So like uh, maybe them in the canteen, like just being like, just being people, being football players. Uh, if the, if we can find footage of them having some, uh, having some banter with their teammates or doing some tricks while they're training, like some kick-ups and stuff, just anything, I think more lighthearted. Again, this is just my opinion. I think it'll probably work better on TikTok than Doin. Awesome. 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 So, so we talked about Doin, we talked about TikTok, um, but we haven't talked about live streaming. Um, you know, the, the, these are more, yeah, what I, I've seen a lot of live streaming, um, on articles, um, on your feed, What's going on with live streaming in um, in China? It seems like it's way ahead of anything I've seen here. Um, wh- what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, live streaming is a is a big subject. I think live streaming is very interesting. So um, there's a, there's a. I just want to take us back a little bit and think about. Um, I almost think about kind of like uh, what, what I like to call like the technology leapfrog uh, uh, behavior, which happens quite a lot in China. And I think it will eventually happen in the West as well, in the sense that, I mean, you, you probably remember terrestrial TV as much as I do, uh, like the likes of BBC, ITV and Channel 4. Mm-hmm. Before we had like cable and satellites, that's all you could have, right? Um, mm-hmm. So China also had terrestrial TV. Uh, but what's interesting is China never had cable or satellite. They went straight from terrestrial to video on demand, right? 
So they mm-hmm. skip a generation of technology, if you may. And it was the same thing with the cash economy. Um, China, I don't know if I remember China was a very, very much a cash economy. If you didn't have cash, you can't get anything down. You can't buy anything. Uh, and now instead of going to a card culture, uh, China went straight to mobile payments. So they skipped like another generation of technology. Uh, a, a final example, maybe um, internet, right? So as I said earlier, so China went from internet cafes. When I was younger, the only reason you could go on the internet was going to cafes uh, rather than having internet access from homes. Uh, and China never had kind of like home internet access as a big thing. Some people had it, but it was a far too big of a country to create the infrastructure to give everyone home access to the internet or landline access. So they went straight from internet cafes to mobile internet, Uh, another kind of like generational skip or technology leapfrog. Um, And I think live streaming is very interesting because China's had a, China's always been very big on e-commerce platform culture in a sense that you don't really, no one really go to brand.com websites to buy things. Like that's an exception to the rule. Everyone buys things from Timo, from Taobao, from JD, from VIP shop, from Koala, like there's like whole array of platforms that aggregate e-commerce for the users. Um, Can I pause a little? Yeah. How do these platforms, you know, figure out discoverability? You know, so um, if I'm looking for, um, say, um, a pair of Doc Martin boots, yeah. um, as a Chinese consumer, how do I find, go through all the clutter? Is it just search? Or, well, um, or you don't really customization coming through. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Rather than searching on Google for Doc Martin boots and then finding out loads of different sites you can buy it from, Chinese people just go to specific platforms and search in platform. Mm. So some people, most people prefer Timo, others prefer JD, and there's a small minority that prefer a whole array of other platforms. Okay, uh, and they all uh, they all specialize in different things as well. So, so Tmall and JD are the biggest e-commerce platforms in China um, portal. Yeah. They're like the Amazon, yeah, yeah. you know, we're, we're there. They're definitely the biggest. Um, yeah, uh, I'm glad you mentioned Amazon actually, because in the UK, actually, uh, when e-commerce first started, it was very much also a platform culture based mm. on single platforms aggregating a lot of goods where people can buy in one single place. Mm. But the West has evolved out of that, right? Now, because of Google, uh, a lot of e-commerce is based on brand.com websites or very niche, small websites where you search on a search engine, you find your product and it takes you to the websites where you might be to buy it from. In, in the States, it's 50-50. So half of all transactions on the internet, um, for every $1 spent on the internet and consumer e-commerce in the U- US, 50 cents in the US is spent on Amazon. That's amazing. So brands, brands will share that remaining 50%. So there's a lot of companies. And that's why Shopify is really shitting up now. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. And I mean, I feel, like, I feel like China is not really going to have that culture where I don't think brand.com will even share 50% of the e-commerce market. Well, they don't at the moment, right? They, say, they probably have like less than 10% in China. I know it's like 80% plus is based on platforms in China. Um, but I think live streaming, uh, going back to what we're saying, is going to be the next generation of internet shopping in China. So rather than going from like platforms to brand.com or search engines, China will just move straight to live uh, streaming as a way of shopping. Um, 
and I, I feel like that's a natural evolution because it's more engaging, it's more entertaining, and it, it's just a much better buying experience for the consumers. Mm. And and I I also noted I I watched a documentary I think it was on was it on Vice um, about a, a Chinese influencer um, that um, live streams and she has a team um, like designer bags um, and, and all sorts and she just breaks records as in she's selling millions in fifteen minutes yeah <laughs> her maze bags and you know, very rare um, you know luxury brands and it's all live streamed. I found that incredible. No, no one ever does that unless you're opera or something, you know? Yeah. Um, so how do you, do you think um, the live streaming is being powered by um, how is live streaming being powered? Is it powered by, by brands or personal personalities? I think it's hundred percent power personalities. Uh, but I think for brands, they need to be careful to move away from the way they work with, influence traditionally i mean at the moment most the way most brands work with influencers is that they just hire an influencer to talk about their products or services or promote their products and services but when it's on live stream you got to be very careful because it's not easy it's not as easy to control the messaging and the people um so this is an opportunity and it brings back to what i was saying about creators rather than influencers because it's it's I think the future of the influencer marketing industry is more focused on building content and in-house personalities mm. by brands rather than kind of borrowing reach and borrowing influence from uh, people who already have that. Um, and this way you can also control your message better. It's almost like having your own, uh, and I'm a big believer actually of having your own content department, um, whether you're an agency or you're selling products or you're selling services, it's just much easier to control uh, control the message, but also to invest in building your own audience rather than borrowing from others. And you can, you can leverage that with your page, you know, um, acquisition. So if you're ever you're creating ads, you, you're not relying on a third party agency. You know, I'm 100%, you know, with you on, on that. I think I'm talking myself out of a job here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, but at the same time, people still need your expertise from that creativity standpoint. Exactly. Yeah. The um, strategy strategy exactly so um yeah it's, it's super important they might have all the equipment but if you know they don't know how to execute you know it might be a problem this is super interesting in terms of like um you know live streaming okay um then um you you, you talked about earlier um service and utility platforms which you 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 um you referred to as gen 2 you know um platforms and you you, you mentioned Weibo and wechat um, as far as I know, WeChat is still very active. Um, yep. do you see it maintaining, where, where does it sit in the, in the ecosystem um, right now with the rise of these new engines um, with platforms such as Douyin and TikTok? Uh, so WeChat is a quite interesting one. I think, um, I think they actually overlap between Gen 2 and Gen 3 because they're very much Gen 2 in the sense of, I was mentioned earlier about it being a very network-led platform in the sense that the content you get is from the networks you follow uh, and it's a closed network as well so it's very very much second gen um, however their service and utility side i think is very much third gen in the sense that uh, i think you understand this very well um, because you, you seem you seem quite passionate about technology in the sense that uh, for me wechat is less of a social media platform and more of an operating system mm. because uh, the definition of operating systems is is a is a platform that hosts other applications right and wechat mm -hmm. does exactly that 
It, it hosts mini programs, which enables you to do a whole array of things like uh, banking, health, uh, taxis, ordering food. It's essentially an operating system where you can customize to service your daily needs, right? Uh, in terms of servicing utility. Uh, and what does this mean for brands? This is amazing for brands because brands are now able to build much better affinity with their customers by creating services uh, that are around their products. And Sorry, by creating programs uh, that enable better interaction for services and products between them and their customers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're able to use this social media platform to make their customers' lives easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we'll see a huge shift. And I'm interested to see, I say this again a lot, that uh, what Microsoft and Apple will react because they don't have the social platform traction to be able to build a social OS, a social operating system, whereas WeChat has that. Um, and I think they're moving. And I think it's a good thing for WeChat that they can focus more on being a social operating system less of a content platform because you were never really that great of a content platform to start off with. Mm. Interesting. Super, super interesting. So it's like an app store. It's so, so in essence, somebody was explaining this to me about like, um, that people in China don't download apps. Everything goes on in, in the WeChat. Yeah. I mean, um, people do download apps, but there's much less focus on native apps. Um, you, you're hundred percent right there because everyone, you can do most things on WeChat, uh, via either WeChat native services or WeChat mini programs. So it's very, it very much is an all encompassing platform that enables people to do pretty much everything they need on a daily basis. So out of curiosity, um, my, my iPhone, I don't know where it is now. It's like, <laughs> Super, super busy, as in like, <laughs> got like, you know, apps here. My, you know, I've got folders here, apps, 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 right? So in a Chinese, um, you know, consumer like me, say someone who's, you know, who's as tech savvy as, as me, would they just have a single WeChat app, a few <laughs> apps? And then in WeChat, it's it's just like a, a party there of apps or <laughs> no, they. I, uh, no, it wouldn't be that extreme. They'll have WeChat. They'll have a few other social media platforms, uh, like Little Red Book or Weibo. Uh, they'll have. They will have native apps, uh, just not as many. And uh, I think you find on most people, especially in our age, there'll be a lot of games <laughs> because mm, yeah. gaming is uh, gaming is less of a niche in China. Very much mainstream. It's like something that everyone does. Um, yeah. So it's not really like a taboo. I remember. I remember seeing seeing a lot of people on on games. Everyone um, plays mobile games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And is there a YouTube equivalent in in China? Where 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 is video consumed the most? Yeah, there's a quite a few. Um, there's Youku, which is kind of like a, the earliest YouTube copycat. Okay. Uh, then there's Aichi, which is a more of a video on demand platform. Uh, there's Bilibili, which is more of a, uh, I guess, like a Twitch style gaming platform initially but now it's evolved out of that uh it's very much uh focused around kind of gen z and millennials um mm. there's a whole array of video or like desktop video platforms okay uh, but then obviously we mentioned earlier doing which is like a mobile video platform short video. So there's also loads of those there's quite show which okay. is the second largest one there's watermelon volcano um, there's loads and loads of short video platforms as well. Okay. Okay. But Doin is the primary, um, channel or app people access videos in, in the whole of China. Yeah. It's a primary short form video platform. Short form. 
Okay. I would say Yuku and HEE are probably the primary long form video platforms. Okay. okay. Awesome. 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 Good. I'm going to link to, to those in the, in the show notes. Um, then, um, what, what about like Netflix? What's the equivalent? I, I know Netflix is ad free, but I'm just fascinated to, to understand, you know, how, you know, people, um, you know, go with subscriptions, um, and, you know, videos like, you know, proprietary content. Yeah, that's probably IGE is probably the closest to Netflix. You can buy a subscription and they produce their own content as well. Super interesting. Okay. And now, um, Hypothetically speaking, um, say I'm um, I'm uh, I'm you know based out in Oxford is probably not the best. Say I'm based out in <laughs> Birmingham or London, no Manchester. Let's 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 get Manchester. It. Wow. Let's say I'm based out in Manchester. Um, I'm a fashion dude. Um, I have a niche, you know, fashion brand. Um, we're doing well. Um, we're, we're selling trainers and um, you know, a bit of gym wear. Um, and I wanted to get into the Chinese market. Um, what first steps would would you suggest? Do I go um, down to um, a Tmall or a JD, or um, do I start um, actually building out um, a TikTok profile or Douyin profile? Um, what what would what would it look like? Um, That's to a the market? very good question. I think I think first of all, you've hit you've hit the nail on the head with your product because health and wellness is probably the fastest growing industry in China in 2020. Okay. It will be anyway. Uh, that's, that's my prediction. Watch this spot. Um, <laughs> and I think, again, 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 you're right. I think the first thing you want to do is to get onto Douyin. Uh, like try a content, like I mentioned earlier, focus, on, focus around stuff that's a little bit more deeper than just showing people your products. Maybe show people how you make your products, what the origins of it are, um, and maybe even some educational content around how to match outfits, how to create the best looks, just anything that adds value to people's lives. Like those kind of content are going to do really well on Douyin. Uh, and the best thing about it is you don't need a follower base to start getting content. So make sure you create consistency in your content because the more content you create, the more chance there are to slot into the global pool of content and appear on people's feeds. Mm. Um, and then, I would actually hold back on stuff like Timo and JD and Tobel and just start with building an audience and building awareness because you can always sell through cross-border e-commerce very easily. Now, China is really big on cross-border e-commerce. Mm. So build the awareness, create content, focus on education, focus on adding value. Uh, and then once you have an audience, you can start to try some cross-border e-commerce. Once you start to making revenue, uh, then you can look at local uh resources like Timo and jd so so with the cross border so with with my content would i link that to like a, a what to my website or um what what do i do um, so there's a few things right you can you can easily do like a for example like a wechat mini store uh it's just like a wechat app basically and people can buy from there and then you can ship them from uk to china directly amazing amazing and does your agency help you know, hold, you know, brands hands in, in, in this entire process. Yeah, certainly. I mean, we, uh, one, I guess one of our probably something we enjoy doing a lot is launching great products into China. Uh, we're doing it with, uh, we've done it with technology services. We've done it, done it with fashion, uh, products. We've done it with, uh, FMCGs. And a lot of what we do is essentially focused on inside strategy and creative. So understanding, understanding what the product is and, and, this, and also helping the brand to connect uh, on, on, on a more meaningful level with their potential customers and building that awareness. And then we also have partners to help with the e-commerce side as well. 
with actually deploying and getting into going into market, go to market strategy. Um, you mentioned something um, a few minutes ago, which was like, um, you know, putting together valuable content. Um, I just want to, I'm fascinated about the psyche of a, you know, Chinese, um, yeah. you know, consumer. Do they want to, you know, um, do they, it sounds like they want to hear like the story. Um, they're, they're very now, um, attuned to getting to understand the story behind a brand, you know, rather than just saying, Hey, this looks nice. They, they want to see, um, what's gone into who's behind it, you know, um, the detail. Yeah. I mean, you're right. Uh, they do want to see that. And I think, uh, but one thing I think brands make mistake on is that the, maybe they take that at face value and they tend to talk too much about their heritage uh, and not enough. And they don't think enough about how consumers in China can connect with that heritage. Mm -hmm. So if you're like Burberry, I'm just, just, just a rough example, rather than talking about the fact that you've been around for hundreds of years, which is what most brands fall onto, right? They're like, uh, if we go to China, we tell people we've been around for hundreds of years and everyone will buy us. That's actually not the case. People are more interested in, what the relevance is to their lives, right? Um, mm-hmm. So if you're Burberry, uh, you should talk about your company culture and the culture of your products and services, but try and be, I guess, less heritage focused and more modern and relevant. So maybe Burberry wants to talk about their current designers and maybe don't talk about their current processes, their current manufacturing capabilities, uh, rather than just fall back on heritage. And, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of brands do that. And culture is a big thing in China. So connecting your brand culture to the culture of Chinese people. And like, they, I think they would find that uh, very, very interesting. Um, I, I, found, I found, when I went to Shenzhen, I went to um, Sky, is it Free Sky, which is the second tallest building in China. Um, it had a, a gallery at the top, at the topmost floor, you know, with views all over Shenzhen. And guess what was at the top? It was um, a, a London arts gallery, um, a second London art gallery, it was, it was themed London art gallery and they brought, you know, works of arts from London. Um, what they did is they, they gave it a Chinese, you know, um, le- they put another level of Chinese by making it digital. So imagine I'm seeing a normal, you know, um, piece of art, a normal painting, and then they blew it up in the deepest of detail on the roof and in open spaces. So things I couldn't even see face to face, which is right in front of me, I'm not seeing all the you know, intricate detail in the, in the piano. I just found that like, whoa, okay. Yeah. There's a touch and people were appreciating, you know, these pieces of art. And I was like, okay. And that's what I was saying earlier. People in China, it's, it's a very, it's a very uh, fundamental desire to kind of like imp- self-improvement and learn. So culture is very important in China. And part of the learning is about like learning about people's cultures uh, outside of China as well. And, and that's why I think Douyin has been so successful. Another reason is because when you're creating videos, you can be much more, um, you can be much focused on education and less around kind of commentating, right? So if you're on Instagram, you're taking photos of like a house or food, you're essentially like a journalist. Whereas when you're on TikTok or Douyin, you're creating videos that are like recipes that are tutorials. Mm. Like it's a lot more enriching and it's much easier to add value to someone's lives mm. uh, than it is just for like static photography or text content. Like, like mini TV programs. That, that yeah, exactly. 
Okay. Um, Bite-sized. Yeah. If if we continue, I'm going to take eat up your whole morning. Um, <laughs> it's okay. It's I'm, a pleasure. I'm thoroughly enjoying this, by the way. Um, another question I had is um, around who who which brands, in your opinion, um, which would even include your clients, are executing um, a go to go to market um, strategy into China very well. And I'm talking about. So could you sort of build it in in two categories? One is you know um, established brands, you know um, blue chip companies on the one hand, and on the other on the other hand, um, you know niche. You know, um, you know, brands that um, boutique brands essentially um, that they're also doing a great job. Do you have any examples of why? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think it'd be very unfair to uh, just list out our clients. No, no, no. no. <laughs> um, but I think some some big brands that are doing well are people like uh, I think Nike is doing very well in China. I think a lot of their stuff are very, very, very personalized, very local. Uh, and very relevant. Um, I think, so the, one of the ads I shared for Chinese New Year, I don't know if you've seen, was a Nike one. That was probably one of my favorite ads um, this Chinese New Year from a foreign brand. So where would uh, Nike distribute that commercial in China? What what would it look like? That's uh, a very good question. Um, I think... I think a lot of times people like Nike and Apple, Apple's another one doing well, is they distribute on their social media channels. Uh, mm-hmm. So they all have like WeChat, they all have Weibo. Uh, they will be distributed on their own social media channels mostly. Uh, it wouldn't be like m- maybe very little or not at all TV uh, like you would have in this country because, I mean, no one really watches uh, TV <laughs> in China. Everything's video on demand. They might do pre-rolls as well, uh, which is actually very effective in China also. Um, so the, 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 but mostly the, social media buying as part of, okay. Yeah, mostly social media platforms. Okay. Um, so Apple is another one that's doing well, as I mentioned. Um, they always have a quite evocative um, and quite relevant piece of, of insight that they latch onto and build a Chinese New Year film with. Um, Nike is cool because they went down the humorous, still yeah, evocative route, which is a very difficult balance to get right. Mm. And I love the creative in that. Um, I think maybe one example uh, that we've done recently, we worked with Barcelona um, to make, make their Chinese New Year film. Uh, and it was, again, something very simple, um, but we took a piece of cultural insight and we created a film based on that. Uh, and I believe it's now a 60 million plus views on their social media channel on Weibo. So I think uh, those are kind of few examples that uh, of established brands that are doing very well. Um, brands that understand you need to understand Chinese people and cultures in order to really get the respect and also get the attention of the Chinese audiences. Some new brands, um, let me think. I think I think Allbirds are actually doing very well. Have you heard of Allbirds, a shoe, yeah. shoe company? Uh, so Allbirds is like a is like a I guess like a shoe brand, but they're they're very much like a tech brand at the same time. Uh, they are quite new globally, but they just went into China recently. And again, uh, they've done some very, um, they've, they've been very good in kind of like creating products just for China, uh, and, and, and just being very specific and very relevant to China. Okay. Uh, I think that's done really well. The, the UK brand. No, Allbirds is a... They're from New Zealand, yeah. New yeah. Zealand, yeah. I think yeah. the founders are from New Zealand, but it's an American company. It's an American company, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. And so they, they, they've pushed into China and they're doing really well. 
I think they're doing well. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like what they've done with their products. They've done some customized limited edition products just for China, um, which is very good because it shows that they respect the Chinese audience. Do, do, do they have a presence in like, um, in, in Weibo or, um, or WeChat? Um, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Uh, don't call me on this, but I'm pretty sure they're on all the social media channels. Yeah. Yeah. Super, super interesting. I've just been following a lot of their products in China. Which yeah, uh, they do, they do. I'm on their yeah. Chinese website, and I can see a Weibo um, QR. Ah, there you go. Uh, yeah, a WeChat um, QR, and then there's a link to to their Weibo profile. So yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Again, they yeah. They I think a lot of what they've done is uh, wow. Their products have been yeah very very well done in China. I think. Wow! 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 Okay! 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 Right. This is this is super interesting. Um, yeah, I, as I said, I was looking forward to to this conversation, and you didn't disappoint at all. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. In, like seriously, Thank you very much. As a, this is oh, like a, kind. a primer, man. Um, no, I'm, I'm enjoying it, man. Um, is there anything um, we we haven't quite covered um, that you think um, should be um, should be said at this point? I think we've covered a lot, and I don't want to. I don't want to overwhelm people because we. I think we could probably talk all day if we wanted to. Uh, maybe just to summarize, I think if you're a brand looking to get into China, uh, focus first on awareness and content via platforms like Douyin and Kuaishou. Uh, focus on building customer affinity with service platforms like WeChat and building building a better customer relationship using CRM. Uh, building better services around your products and services using WeChat. Uh, but don't jump into JD and Timo immediately without building your customer base and also your awareness first. Amazing, amazing, amazing. And um, so you're very active on LinkedIn. Um, what, are the, what are the social media profiles um, or platforms are you, um, are you, are you active on? Um, I think it's just LinkedIn at the moment, actually. Um, uh, LinkedIn, we have a podcast. So if anyone's interested in knowing more about China, uh, you can find uh, China WTF, which stands for China What's the Future, <laughs> on, on Spotify, on iTunes, and other podcast also, outlets. Also um, but that's it, really. I'll, I'll link to it. Um, I don't thank you for <laughs> coming on to the show. It's, it's been a you know, massive pleasure. I learned a ton. Thank you. The pleasure is all mine. Bye. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of 2X e-commerce. We encourage you to connect with our community of 2X e-commerce listeners on our Facebook group, e-commerce growth accelerator mastermind. Just search for 2X e-commerce on Facebook to find it. Answer three questions and you'll be approved. Grab the show notes of this episode on our website, 2xecommerce.com. Finally, if you haven't already, give the show a review on your podcasting app. Catch you on the next show and keep growing.